Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, I talked to Senator Al Franken about recent updates to payday lending practices. Tasha Rado learned some A-plus ways to help our kids get enough sleep as they head back to school. And Mike Grimm previews the upcoming Gopher football season. But first, talk show host Jason Lewis took nearly 50% of the vote in Tuesday's Republican primary in the 2nd Congressional District, besting his three rivals, Darlene Miller, John Howe, and Matthew Erickson. Lewis faces Democrat Angie Craig in November. Craig points out sharp differences with her opponent. I think there is a tremendous contrast between, frankly, the way Jason and I simply approach the world. I spent the last part of uh, two decades helping lead a medical device manufacturing company and creating jobs, and Jason Lewis uh, talked at people. And so, you know, it um, certainly is uh, great to finally know who the matchup is going to be between. And um, so I'll look forward to running uh, against Jason, and I'll look forward to uh, talking about uh, the distinct distinct differences between what my candidacy represents uh, and what his represents. As you mentioned, he talked at people as a, a talk show host for a number of years here in the Twin Cities metro area. Uh, what are some of the challenges you face uh, against an opponent who's been so high profile for so long? Well, it, it'll be our responsibility, and we certainly have the opportunity and the resources and plenty of time to introduce what I've been up to for the last couple of decades to voters. And uh, I think the opportunity here is, uh, and what certainly is, has been disturbing to me, isn't just uh, uh, Jason's time on the air. It's not just some of the shock value of some of the sound bites he's had. It's the strength of the conviction he's shown in his opinions and some of the things that he said about uh, folks, uh, frankly, who are uh, individuals in the second congressional district, from dubbing young women to non, you know, as non-thinking to suggesting victims of natural disasters are just whiners to some twisted logic on slavery. Um, yeah, there's just a huge difference that uh, we represent. I'd like to find common ground, and uh, Jason has said out loud that he wants to join a group of extremists in the Freedom Caucus whose goal is to shut down the government. So I think Jason's candidacy really represents a fundamental contradiction of our Minnesota values and certainly uh, not what the voters of the 2nd Congressional District have told me they want in their next representative. Uh, as contentious as things have been politically in the House over the course of uh, especially President Obama's tenure, um, how do you plan, if you're elected, on spreading that message and convincing opponents across the aisle that uh, that it's time to work together? Well, I've spent the last 22 years of my professional career really uh, working in business with other people. And in business, you, uh, you don't always agree with the person on the other side of you, but uh, you have a common goal uh, and you don't always get what you, everything you want, but you certainly work toward that common goal. And so that's how I'm going to approach uh, my uh, time as the congresswoman from the 2nd Congressional District, if voters give me the honor of representing them. Democrat Angie Craig, candidate for Congress in Minnesota's 2nd District. MNN's Bill Werner talked with Republican candidate Jason Lewis. Looks like you're going to come in with about uh, 50% of the vote uh, over three challengers, which is a, um, uh, a pretty impressive uh, performance in a primary election. You must feel pretty good about it. 
Yeah, we we do feel very gratified that uh, the voters listened to our message and and it took to the took to the message and the message has changed and then that nobody puts party ahead of principle. Bill, it's time for real authentic change and uh, to stop the red versus blue tribalism and get something done. And and I'm glad that uh, that people have listened to that and accepted it. That's what I want to work at. Talk a little bit about what some of that change is. What what you want to see it be. Well, you know, first and foremost, we've got to get this economy going again, to paraphrase JFK, to get that rising tide lifting all boats once again. And we're growing at 1% GDP, the slowest economic recovery in post-World War II history. The first quarter was 0.8% GDP. Median wages are down $3,000 from the start or the end of the last, uh, the last growth era. So we've got a lot of work to do there, and that involves finally getting a handle on spending. I like across-the-board cuts. I think everybody ought to have skin in the game and spending reductions. Reforming the tax code, absolutely a necessity. And getting the federal government to quit over-regulating so darn much, from the Department of Labor rules to Affordable Care Act to a very, very aggressive EPA. It is strangling the engine of economic growth, and that's what I want to address. And then, of course, national security. We've got to get a handle on these borders and, and politely but firmly say no to Syrian refugees that may be infused with ISIS members. It's as simple as that. Your opponent, Angie Craig, uh, not surprisingly issued a statement just moments ago. Uh, yeah. and, and we talked to her earlier in the day also, and I'm going to tell you a few things that she said. Okay, sure. She says, quote, I spent the last part of two decades helping lead medical device manufacturing companies in creating jobs. And Jason Lewis talked at people, unquote. Your response. <laughs> well, I mean, now she wants to go to Washington to do what? To talk at people. Um, you know, look, the, the, we, will, we will go toe-to-toe with Angie Craig on every single issue. And if she wants to put people out of work at Pine Bend Refinery because she's latched on to President Obama's global climate initiative, she can do that. But I'm not going to put those people out of work. So there are going to be stark differences between Ms. Craig and Jason Lewis. I, mean, I can hardly wait to start the debate. One of the other things she said, well, she said what you said is, or what you indicated is, things, quote, from dubbing young women as non-thinking to suggesting victims of natural disasters are just whiners to some twisted logic on slavery, unquote. Your response <laughs> to that? She's trying to bring out the oldies but goodies. You know, I've, been, I've had my opponents be taking my words out of context and distorting them for better part of eight months now, um, the voters are not going back to gotcha politics. They're not looking back. What Angie is saying will do nothing to reduce health care premiums, nothing to reform the tax code, and certainly nothing to control the budget because he's advocating massive billion-dollar increases in the budget. So let's have this debate. I can hardly wait. What do you think of Donald Trump? Do you support him unequivocally? I said in October when I got on the race that I would be supporting the top of the ticket. I didn't endorse anyone, but I, I maintain that position. I'm supporting the top of the ticket because Hillary Clinton and her appointments on the Supreme Court, when I talk about overregulation and making law from the Oval Office, a, a full-throated assault on the separation of powers under this administration would continue under Ms. Clinton, and that is untenable in my view. What do you think about some of the things that he's said uh, about certain uh, minority groups um, uh, within the population? Well, uh, Bill, you'd have to ask Donald Trump. Uh, the only well, candidate I mean, I endorse well, in wondering... this race is Jason Lewis. I'm wondering what you think of some of the things he said about that. Well, I don't know. What do I think of the way former President Bill Clinton treats women? I mean, there's that, that's Im- immaterial to the race in the 2nd District. Republican Jason Lewis, who's running for Congress in the 2nd District. More Minnesota Matters after this.
Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. So you're giving up. Just like that. Giving up on what? On getting an inheritance from a distant relative. Don't you think if there were a billionaire in the family, we'd know about it by now? Listen to me. We are one phone call away from riding horses on our own private polo grounds. One call from christening yachts, having a butler, using summer as a verb. How do you figure? Look, everyone's got a rich uncle somewhere. It's statistics. So the best thing you can do is just prepare for the inevitable. Right. Which is why I thought maybe it would be smart to take control of my finances. You know, start using a budget, get out of debt, set some retirement goals. Budgets? Debt? You watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. A new proposal from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau aims to protect consumers from payday lenders. My guests today are U.S. Senator Al Franken and Ron Elwood with the Legal Services Advocacy Project. Thank you both for being here. Great to be here again. You've uh, both been working for years on fighting for reform of payday lending practices. And Senator, just tell me a little bit about payday lenders and why you're involved in this reform. Well, there have been multiple studies of payday lending, and what has been found is that these uh, payday loans often create debt traps for people, and they end up um, paying, you know, what a payday loan obviously is, is uh, that you need to cover some expenses, and you borrow some money very short term, and your next payday, your pay it back. And what it turns out is that a very high percentage of people, uh, these are low-income people, uh, obviously, can't pay it back. Uh, 70, 80 percent nationally uh, can't pay back uh, that that first loan, so they have to borrow again. And um, actually, about 20 uh, percent uh, of borrowers end up borrowing uh, 10 or more times. And what this does is uh, it's it creates a debt trap, and it, uh, it it's very exploitive of people. So uh, I've asked the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, um, uh, Bureau in the government, to uh, create some, to look at this, and they have, and they're putting out some proposed rules, which um, which go part of the way to doing what needs to be done. And Ron Elwood with the Legal Services Advocacy Project, you've been doing a lot for reform of payday lending here in Minnesota and beyond. Tell me a little bit, Senator Franken mentioned that it's exploitive of low-income people. Give me a sense of what's really going on here, and why do people utilize a payday lender if they're ultimately being exploited? Well, Scott, uh, that's the question that everybody seems to ask, and um, the... The problem with payday lending is that, um, you know, by definition, um, you're you're lending to people who are financially fragile, and who have don't have the ability to really pay it back. The reason that they turn to payday lenders is because uh, the mainstream uh, financial system doesn't really work for them, um, and so they're they're caught between two alternatives. 
one, a system that really doesn't serve them, and two, a system that exploits them. Uh, and this is about, what, about 30,000 Minnesotans? Uh, about every year, about 30,000 Minnesotans yeah. uh, uh, take payday loans, but they take multiple loans. So, um, in, so for example, in uh, uh, 2014, um, there were 385,000 reported payday loans taken in Minnesota by about those 30,000 people. So you can do the math and... and yeah, it's and more than, I guess, 12 per, per uh, person. And so that... And, and also what, what these payday lenders do is they get your bank account uh, and they, they are allowed to go in and take out of your bank account. And if you don't uh, have the money there, you get a fee uh, from your bank, uh, an overdraft fee, and that gets added on to your, what you owe. And uh, these people get worse and worse, ho- uh, hopelessly into debt. And I, I see... And, and, and w- one, one thing we should uh, emphasize is what the, the interest rate is on this. Because it gets as high as like 400% a year. Or higher. Yeah, or higher. And part of what this rule doesn't do, I mean, what the rule does is require... Uh, the proposed rule requires a payday lender to determine whether the individual has the ability to repay a loan before they issue the loan. And uh, that is uh, a a rule to make sure that there's some due diligence by the lender. And then uh, the proposed rule also bars the payday lender uh, from making repeated attempts to withdraw from a consumer's uh, bank account uh, if previous w- withdrawals have failed, and that's to prevent them from uh, getting these significant overdraft fees added on to, the, to that debt. So I'm wondering, this is a very basic question, but are there consumers out there that would be listening to this that have utilized payday lenders before and say, I've never had any problem. I don't understand why they're making such a fuss out of this. Yes, there would be. Um, And in fact, when we've had uh, hearings at the state legislature uh, repeatedly, we have uh, borrowers who come in and say, please don't uh, take my payday payday loan away. And then we have other borrowers who come in and say, I really had no idea what I was getting myself into. I needed this uh, money, uh, and I took it. And, uh, of course, I had to come back and pay the next two weeks later. I had to pay the loan plus the interest. I couldn't do it, so I just took another loan out, and I took another loan out, and I took another loan out, and now I've lost my house. I've lost, you know, I can't, I can't pay my rent. I've been evicted. I mean, the parade of horribles that, that happen. I got my bank account uh, as uh, bank account uh, so, charged. So and, what yeah. we're suggesting is that these rules um, be uh, tightened enough to regulate this industry in a way where that doesn't happen to people and where the people who, who need this short term, who can benefit from it, taking out one loan can do it. And Senator Franken, do you have any message out there to listeners that maybe are low-income folks that are considering this or have done it before? Do you want to hear from those people? Does that help your case when you're reaching out to people like the CFPB? Certainly, and especially in a, in a uh, rule, in, in the proposed rule period, when they're open for comments, this would be, be good to go to the CFPB and 
uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and, and make some comments. Thank you for your time, Senator Franken and Ron Elwood. I'll be back with more Minnesota Matters after this. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouth full, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Last night we put on an epic light show. Yeah, we did. The crowd loved us. We love the crowd. Wait, but there were only four people out there. Yeah, but did you see their four faces? All eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours. <sighs> and we're fireflies. Yeah, we are. Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow in the dark like this before. And we invented glow in the dark. Yeah, we invented it. And we're going to be out here every night rocking out our light show at a forest near you. Woo-hoo! So come check us out. Check us out. And bring your kid all ages show. Oh, but uh, don't bring any of those glass jars because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah, and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you and discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. If you haven't already, you may want to begin easing your kids back into a routine sleep schedule. In just a few weeks, thousands of Minnesota students will be back in the classroom. MNN's Tasha Radel has the story. Getting the kids back into a daily school routine can be a little tricky following summer break. Joining me is Dr. Ranji Varghese, a sleep expert at Hennepin County Medical Center. Welcome, Dr. Varghese. So what can parents be doing to help transition their child into a more routine sleep schedule? First of all, thank you for uh, uh, addressing this. It's an important issue because, as you know, kids spend uh, a lot of time playing outside in the summertime as well as they should, and they get a lot of sunlight in the summertime, um, as well as spending a lot of time in front of a TV or a computer or a tablet or some sort of a smartphone that emits a lot of bright light. So one of the first recommendations that I would say is try and start to keep a consistent wake-up time in the morning um, and try and get that wake-up time um, a little bit earlier each day, if not every few days. So if your child is waking up at, say, 10 in the morning, try and wake them up maybe at 9.45 a.m. for a few days, then 9.30 a.m. So it's not too much of a jolt in in terms of getting them awake. Number two, I'd say get them tired. Uh, get Let them play outside, but try and minimize as much sunlight closer to the evening uh, because that sunlight, as we know, especially in, in the Midwest, 
Um, we get a lot of sunlight, and uh, that sunlight can suppress their natural hormone, melatonin, uh, from secreting at the appropriate time or, or in a, a time that would be um, appropriate to when they want to start school. And, you know, how much sleep should be uh, should kids be getting these days? I know there's kind of a, a different guidelines for different age groups. Yeah, correct. So um, what we're looking at is for children ages 3 to 5, about 10 to 13 hours, and this is recently from the academy, um, and children between 6 to 12 years old, about 9 to 12 hours. And teens, we're really looking at trying to get them at least 8 to 10 hours because we know now the kids that don't get enough sleep, they have difficulties with attention, memory, behaviors, um, including irritability that might look like attention deficit disorder symptoms, um, regulating emotions. Um, and we're finding out, and this is also consistent with what the data shows with adults, is that children that are getting consistently short sleep time, uh, they have a little bit of higher blood pressure um, they have an increased risk for obesity, depression, and diabetes. And, you know, I have to ask, in your opinion, are kids getting enough sleep these days? No, they're not. Uh, and it's a chronic problem, and it's one of the problems that we see um, when we evaluate patients and, and kiddos at the, uh, the sleep centers. They're just not getting enough sleep, and it's not unreasonable to see children that are going to sleep at midnight, maybe sometimes even later, and then having to wake up at, say, 6.30 in the morning to catch the bus to get to school. So it's not unusual to see kids getting five and a half to six and a half hours of sleep. And I have to ask you, uh, this day and age with social media, electronics, and now I'm seeing kids roaming through my neighborhood playing Pokemon Go, um, when is a good time to, to get off of those devices or away from the screen, so to speak? Yeah, great question. So... As you know, light is one of the uh, most powerful ways of resynchronizing our circadian rhythms. Um, and we know that sunlight is, is the most powerful, what we call light giver, uh, to retrain our rhythms. But so are these uh, smartphone applications or smartphones and tablets, which emit a lot of blue light. Um, what we recommend is trying to eliminate that bright light or those bright lights from these uh, devices after 7 p.m. So 7 p.m. might be a good time to start winding things down and starting to get into those bedtime rituals. Any other, uh, I guess, the recommendations uh, for, for folks who are wanting to get those kids back onto a routine? Um, you know, I think this is consistent with uh, what we see in adults as well, is starting to create a mentality to... Uh, for bedtime rituals, brushing teeth, what time is dinner, making things very consistent. We are uh, creatures of habit, and as we start to get into um, routines, we tend to work a little bit better. So trying to keep consistent times for bedtime rituals, what time is your, you know, brushing your teeth, what time do you put yourself to bed, any sort of uh, rituals that might... Um, remind the child of, of, of bedtime and getting to sleep will help them get to sleep a little bit quicker. All right. Well, I thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. Yep. You have a great day. You too. Thanks again to my guest, Dr. Ranji Varghese. For more tips on setting a routine sleep schedule, you can go online to sleepfoundation.org. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. More Minnesota Matters after this. You, my friend, have connections in the government. Yes, you. USA.gov. 
the official source for government information on thousands of topics. And like any good connection, there's no telling where it can take you. Why, one day you're getting student loan information. Next thing you know, you need job hunting tips. Today's road construction info could have you searching for telecommuting ideas tomorrow. The more you use USA.gov, the more uses you'll find for it. Passport applications, for example. They've been known to lead to a sudden interest in travel advisories. Our new mobile apps will even update you on the go. So whether you have information to get or ideas to give your government, check out USA.gov. Who knows? Lottery results today could lead to retirement planning tomorrow. USA.gov. With the right connections, there's no telling where you can go. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The heart of fall camp for the Golden Gopher football team is here. m and Sports Director Mike Grimm is also the radio voice of the Gophers and gives us a pigskin preview. Scott, believe it or not, the season opener for the U of M is just more than two weeks away. One of the players the Gophers will count on on defense is Owatonna's Andrew Stelter, a starting defensive tackle. I've been really excited. I mean, just getting ready for my junior year here coming up. I finally feel like I got the size and the strength that I need to be successful and compete like I feel like I'm capable of. So, yeah, I mean, we've been itching to get out here. First day in pads, full pads today, tackling. That was a lot of fun today. Just seeing guys get after, that's always good to see. So, yeah, I mean, we're all excited. We're ready for the season to get here, but we got a lot of work to do right now. The bullets started flying, as you mentioned, so to speak. What, um, did anything like that first hit or two? I mean, is it shocky into like, okay, here we are, it's real? Yeah, the first big hit you get definitely wakes you up, but then after that, I mean, it's just like, oh, yeah, this is what we're supposed to do, which is playing football after that big first one. So, yeah. When you um, you know look ahead, obviously you're looking forward to this game on Thursday, the 1st of September, still a few weeks to go. Take us through, put us in your mind, that, that grind of camp. What's that like over the next you know, two and a half, three weeks? What, what you have to accomplish and, and, and work? And I'm sure it gets a little monotonous there for a while when you're 80 degrees and 85 degrees out here. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a grind. I mean, I think we're out here for 18 days, Clays was saying. But, I mean, we just can't worry about the game right now. We just got to worry about coming out here, getting better every day, showing up to practice, just doing as much as we can to improve ourselves physically and mentally for the game. Mention you're a junior. Is, is it, I, I even find myself as I was getting ready for this interview, God, he's a junior already. It, it goes fast, doesn't it? No, it's flowing by. I still feel like I'm a freshman out there <laughs> getting ready to play for my first camp. But, no, yeah, junior year goes quick, just flies by. How much have you learned? How much better are you today than you were that uh, first year? I'm sure your head was swimming that first year as a freshman. Oh, I'd say it's night and day difference from freshman year to right now. I mean, you come in, you're trying to learn the whole new defense. You got, you don't know what to expect. You're trying to learn how guys play. Just, I mean, but now this is my third go around, so I just calm and ready to go and just know what I'm doing, so I can just get after it and just play. What, what, uh, if there's one or two things most that you maybe learn from then to now that helps make you, you know, a Big Ten football player? What are they? I would say just the speed of that you got to play out with the game and just kind of just different little technique things that help you be successful. I mean, Coach Phelps does a great job of helping us get in good positions to be the most successful that we can. With that, how good can this defense be? I feel like we've got a good shot to be pretty good this year. I mean, we lost a couple guys last year to injuries that kind of hurt us, but I mean, we've got a bunch of guys coming back, and I think we got a bright future ahead of us. Real excited to see what we can do. Pass rush has been something that Coach Clays has talked about this offseason. You'd like to see a few more sacks out of that group as a whole. What kind of things can, can not only you do personally but as a group uh, to, to get those numbers where, where maybe the head coach wants them? 
Yeah, I mean, pass rush is something where we definitely struggled in the past. Something we've got to improve on. So, I mean, we've just been doing a lot of different drills, like before and after practice. We do some hand fighting stuff between ourselves, uh, just focusing on one-on-one -on -one and just making sure every time we get a pass block, we make sure we do a pass rush move. Offensive line, I want to ask you about that side of the ball because you go up against them, uh, obviously, in practice every day. They've made some changes coaching-wise. Guys seem excited that, that are on that side of the football. Have you noticed any difference early here? I have, yeah. I mean, they're definitely a lot stronger and more physical. They've been lifting five days a week since, I think, the winter here. So, I mean, they're definitely got a lot stronger in the weight room, and you see that on the field with, like, double teams and stuff. And the, I think they'll be good this year, too. What's it mean for a kid from Owatonna, Minnesota, to be playing for the Golden Gophers in his home state? I mean, it's a dream of mine, honestly, growing up watching the Gophers play. Uh, there's nothing I feel more proud about than being able to represent the state that I grew up in and the state I love. You have uh, obviously a lot of friends and family not too far away from the Twin Cities. I mean, they try to make it to, to most home games. You get a good cheering section every week. I do, yeah. I mean, my parents have been to every single football game I've played in since freshman year, except for TCU my freshman year. But so, yeah, I mean, they're having a great time traveling around. My dad loves seeing all the different stadiums and stuff. So, no, that's awesome, the support I get from my family and friends. And you obviously don't forget about the hometown as well. Do you follow the, do you follow the club, uh, how they're doing? Because it's, it's been a pretty good football factory over the years, Owatonna. They have been pretty successful the last couple of years. I try and keep in touch with those guys, coaches and whatnot, and just kind of touch in with the guys every, on like every little basis now and then. But we got a bye week this week, I think week three, so I'm kind of excited, hoping I can get down and watch a game. Very good. Thanks so much. Best of luck here this fall. Thank you. That's Gopher D-Tackle Andrew Stelter on Minnesota Matters. Scott? Thanks, Mike. The Gophers open the season at home against Oregon State on Thursday night, September 1st. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.